Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 147, John and Wendy Talk to Angela Champ. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I am well. And while we are well into December, we're thinking about next year. I know. Well, you got a plan. You got a plan ahead. And I don't know about you, but I'm happy to wave goodbye to 2020. (laughs) I think most of us are. We've been really fortunate to try a lot of new things this year. We're going to talk a lot more about that in episode 149, which comes out in a few weeks. However, one of the things that we did want to put out there, and again, we'll probably be talking a bit about it several times between now and then. We found great response in the video. I'm going to call it video series. That that you came up with in terms of (laughs) let's get together some groups and have conversations, put it out on YouTube and do the Twitter stream with it. Those were great fun. I think the response has been tremendous and something new for us because, again, I got a face for (laughs) podcasting. We had so much fun, though. We did agree that we want to expand that in 2021. Uh, yeah, and we need ideas. We need topics. I have a couple that I'm going to run by you later. No, we'll, we'll keep it secret for now. What should we talk about? What should we get to people together? And what do you want to hear about? We know a lot of people. We got some great experts out there. So let's have some conversations and expand that a little bit. I just think it's something that we need to do more of. And we definitely appreciate the feedback we've gotten so far with it. Like Wendy said, though, just like with the chat, we ask people for feedback there. We want to be talking about things that you want to be talking about. Anytime you have ideas, let's bring them up. Let's at least have the conversation and kick it around. Because as many of you know, often when you ask or bring up something, you end up being part of the part of whatever it is. You just volunteered yourself. We are excited about more video and, and get better at video. We've already got one that has been recorded that we'll be putting out in January. If you've got topics, bring them to us. Yes, we definitely like to do that. I think it'll be fun. I am very excited about tonight's guest. We can count yet another international guest now. Yes. (laughs) Which is great. We are taking over Canada. There are so many great HR practitioners that we know there. We've known Angela for a while. Didn't really connect until lately. She's got some really cool stuff going on. We're going to be making a fun announcement here in a bit. I'm going to let you make the introduction. Let's get started. Yes. So excited to welcome Angela Champ to the show. She's an author and human resources executive whose squiggly line career has spanned banking, insurance, oil and gas, construction, retail, tourism, and hospitality industries. She currently lives in Vancouver, British Columbia with her family. Angela, welcome to the show. Again, really excited to have you here. And our first question, as always, what is in your glass? Thanks for having me. Tonight, I'm enjoying a beautiful hard-pressed apple cider that's from a small cider and winery in Osoyoos, British Columbia called Border Town, and it is refreshing and yummy, and I highly recommend it to everybody. I don't know if we can get it here, but (laughs) we can try. We can try. Not much going over the border these days. That's right. That's right. We're super excited to have you. I have to say up front, I appreciate how short your bio is. (laughs) We always like that because that's why we want to have these conversations to really flesh some of these things out. We know what you're doing now. However, how did you get your start in HR? So I like to say that I I have an accidental HR career. I actually graduated with an undergraduate degree in political science and had hoped to get into law school. But when I didn't get accepted, I was sort of left with no option. So I did the only obvious thing I could do which is to join an insurance company as their mailroom clerk, because, of course, that's what you do with a political science degree, (laughs) at least when I graduate. (laughs) 
Well, I was working in uh, as a claims adjuster for this insurance company after a few years. I had developed literally like on a Word document, I had decided developed this training manual for other new and acting adjusters because there was no training at the time available for people who weren't permanent claims adjusters. And this training man- manual made its way through the company. About six months later, when a position opened up in the training department, I put my name forward and I actually used this training manual on a Word document as my portfolio and they hired me in. That was still part of operations. But when I ended up leaving the insurance company and I joined a different company, I ended up joining in their human resources uh, group under learning and development. And that sort of gave me the taste of human resources because I realized that what really jazzed me was anything having to do with coaching and mentoring, making the workplace a better place, making the world a better place, all of that. And I think that that's something that we can do in human resources. So I like to say I fell into HR. It's an accidental career, but it's definitely where I'm meant to be. I like that accidental career. John and I are right there with you, accidentally in HR. It sounds better than fell in, I think. Yeah, I like that. I like that much better. Our safety-minded friends may not, accidental may sound bad to them, but I, I like it. I like it too. Much better than fell. Slightly more positive spin on it, I think. You've worked in a lot of different industries across your career. How were you able to make those transitions successfully and what challenges did you find going from industry to industry? So what I was able to do was really look at the skills I had and the jobs that I held and, and translate them to HR in order to almost convince somebody to hire me into my first real HR job. So for example, I worked as a claims adjuster for many years. And here in the province where I worked, the insurance policy is actually an act of legislation. Your insurance policy is a statute. We would deal with upset customers. I would deal with lawyers. Well, if you look at what human resources does, you deal with legislation and laws and you deal with lawyers and you deal with compliance and you deal with upset employees or upset managers. And so there was a lot of skills that I was able to translate from other jobs to human resources. I worked in the hospitality industry and tourism. And one of my jobs was was to create incentive campaigns for the frontline employees, contests and other incentives. Well, when I wanted to move into human resources, I was able to translate that into creating compensation programs. And so it was really about being able to convince people that the skills that and the, the work that I had done had skills that were transferable to HR. The challenges, of course, are that a lot of people just look at your job title or look at your experience. So I mentioned that I have a political science degree as my undergraduate. I have an MBA in my master's, but I have no formal HR experience or education, I should say. A lot of employers looked at that and said, well, she doesn't have education in HR and she doesn't have the job title of HR. And so there were some challenges as I was moving throughout my career. We hear that so often, Angela, and it is frustrating. Even once you're in HR, people getting tagged in an industry, you've been in insurance, you've been in credit unions, you've several different things. How do you even get people to listen, for lack of a better word. Once you're in HR, you're not just in that box of, oh, she only knows insurance. I think a lot of our listeners struggle with that. People we know come to our chats and people are looking and those conversations are going on all the time that why aren't people more open to change? Because let's face it, to your point, the rules are the rules are the rules. Why do people see it as such a challenge? You'd actually think that human resources would be the easiest one to switch industry to industry 
Because as you said, there are rules, regardless of which country you live in and what jurisdiction you're in, there are some things that you have to do regardless of industry. Some have more, maybe some have more safety requirements or some have different laws in other jurisdictions. Human resources, marketing, IT, those are all professions that I think are transferable from industry to industry. I think part of it is employers want to hire people sort of with the least amount of resistance possible. And if you hire somebody who has industry experience, the perception is that the learning curve will be shorter for that person. They'll be able to hit the ground running and therefore are much more productive. And that's what the organization needs. Something that human resources folks can do so that they don't pigeonhole themselves is make sure that you're understanding what's happening in the economy and in the world outside of your industry. Read the newspapers, read a broad range of magazines from Fortune to Forbes to Time to McLean's. Really understand what's happening in the world because some of it means being able to connect dots from industry to industry or even being able to borrow ideas from industry to industry. And so if you are in human resources and you're looking to switch industries, try to show the recruiters or the hiring managers that you understand how the world of business works, you understand the nuances of the economy that you are in, and that you can really understand the challenges that that business has. And as a human resources professional, you can help to create the solutions so that that business and organization can succeed. Having said all that, we mentioned the title a little bit earlier. You recently released The Squiggly Line Career. This is your second book. How did you get involved in writing to begin with? And then what is the elevator pitch for The Squiggly Line Career? I have always loved writing. I have boxes full of journals from my tween and teenage years filled with teenage angst and really bad poetry, <laughs> which I'm embarrassed to read now. But you know, it's they're all there. I've, I moved away from home when I was 18. Uh, my family is in Ontario. And I moved to Vancouver to attend uh, university out here. And I kind of never moved back home. I've been known to write very, very long handwritten letters to family and friends. It's not unusual for me to write a five or six page letter. Writing's always been part of it. And then a few years ago, Gretchen Rubin wrote this book, The Happiness Project. You probably know about that. And I was reading her book and it really inspired me to start a blog. She didn't actually say start a blog in the book, but there was something about what she wrote that I thought, you know, I've been talking about starting a blog and what am I waiting for? And so I decided that my New Year's resolution that year was going to be to start a blog. And then I started writing articles on LinkedIn. Writing a book just seemed like a natural progression to sort of something I've always loved doing anyway, which was writing. As far as what the elevator pitch is, okay, so the book is written in two parts. One is for job seekers, and the second part is for human resources, recruiters, and hiring managers. So if I was doing an elevator pitch for human resources and recruiters, I would say this. There is no war on talent. The world is full of capable people who have the skills to do the job, even if they don't have the job title on their resume. You can expand your talent pool and help your organization succeed by looking beyond job titles and instead looking at capability. Seeing as how we have both sometimes have people in search, and we have a lot of listeners that are involved in recruiting in particular, I mentioned we were going to have a little surprise. To really no one surprise, Angela, when we have writers on, we're going to give away a copy of The Squiggly Line Career. Yay! <laughs> uh, we're very excited. The book just came out in the last couple of weeks. Here's what we're going to do. 
after you listen to this episode, if you'll tweet Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram, one of those, no TikToks, none of other stuff we've never heard of. People know that listen know where to find us. If you send out something though with sharing the show or using the hashtag squiggly line career and HR social are using both tags, we're gonna give people until January 8, 2021. Share that post anywhere. We're gonna pull them all on the eight. And then Angela's gonna be kind enough to actually sign a book to you directly and send it from Canada, all the way from Canada. Angela and I started talking about putting this together. She mentioned the book was going to be coming out. Our listeners love books. They love giveaways. And again, <laughs> it's a tremendous opportunity to get a copy. And, and again, using those hashtags and spreading the good news. Who doesn't love a free book? Angela, what do you think will be the biggest challenge HR pros will face in 2021? How can they get prepared accordingly? You know, uh, everybody had to be so agile and flexible in 2020 with COVID and those businesses and employees who were able to work remotely because they weren't necessarily frontline or customer facing really did pivot within days or weeks early in 2020. And so in 2021, I think the biggest challenge we're going to have is continuing the work from home, which will eventually, I think, morph to work from anywhere. So right now, people are working from home and not having that 20-minute or 30-minute commute. But if this continues much longer, people are going to say, well, why do I need to live in in this city where it's expensive? I'd like to live in that city and still work for you. And so really, how can human resources professionals help organizations prepare for work from anywhere, not just from a technology point of view, but in skill set and training and making sure that people are staying connected, that there's still a, a cohesive culture of innovation and collaboration, which you sometimes get when you have those in-person collisions, you know, over the water cooler. I don't know if anybody has water coolers anymore, but, you know, but in front of the coffee machine. I think that the old way of doing human resources is not going to work anymore. And in addition to the remote working and the work from home, human resources really had to elevate their game for organizations and create policies or even get rid of some policies that really were rooted in some old fashioned ideas about how workers should be treated and and how people can work and be much more flexible. So how can HR help start preparing for that? I think that they need to start thinking about the downstream consequences of continuing to work from home or having more progressive HR policies. What's required to become more progressive? Do you need a different set of leadership skills? Do you need to elevate your leaders with more training or with a new set of expectations? Do you need to partner with IT on better technology? Do you need to introduce HR technology to get rid of the transactional work and free up the human resources professional to do much more strategic work and really work with the partners at the table in the business to elevate the business. I think those are some of the things that we're going to be looking at in 2021 and how HR can prepare for that. Angela, amongst writing, speaking, being out there as an HR professional, you also have Work Like a Girl, which I found really interesting on your site. Can you talk a little bit about that series and plans to continue? What's the future of that? 
So Work Like a Girl started, it was inspired by two things. One, the hashtag Like a Girl campaign that was put on by Always, where they interviewed some boys and girls. They said, how do you run like a girl? How do you throw like a girl? And they were showing really awkward moments. And uh, it was really an eye-opener to me. I thought, oh, is that really how people think girls are in sports or in life. And then the second um, inspiration was the hashtag I dress like a woman movement in 2017. And I thought, we need to start educating parents and teachers and girls about what's available to them. You don't have to necessarily stick to the stereotypes or the usual six professions that women tend to dominate and go into. And so I started this Work Like a Girl series. It's an interview series where I interview women who are in non-traditional careers where men tend to dominate or where women aren't as common in the profession and really feature them to show parents and teachers and girls that, yeah, you can do this career too. There's more there than just the top six that women tend to go into. So to your question, I haven't done any recent interviews, partly because of COVID and partly because I moved from Calgary to Vancouver and and that was uh, taking up a lot of my time. I do hope to continue the series because there's a lot of great careers out there and we need to be featuring women doing these careers as an inspiration to girls and to educate parents and teachers about how they can help guide their daughters, their sisters, their neighbors in their careers. I love that. I think that's such a great and needed thing to, you know, hear more of those stories about women who are not in the usual field and how did they get there? And we need those stories. So thank you for doing that. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Well, Angela, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half hour question connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? Well, like any really good squiggly line careerist, I dreamed of having many careers. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be a social worker. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a diplomat. I even thought about being a flight attendant, even though I'm petrified of flying. With the exception of that last one, I have to say my career in HR really has elements of all of those, right? It has communication, has legal stuff. It has like social work uh, on distressed employees. There's teaching and a teaching element. There's diplomacy. So even though I didn't become any of those careers that I dreamed of, I sort of like lumped it all in together into one HR career. And and here I'm all of that. I'm the epitome of the squiggly line careerist, I would say. I feel like I've had flight attendant as part of my HR career in as much time as I spent on planes. (laughs) I'd like to see how that that manifests itself. That's awesome. (laughs) Especially trying to explain to people that don't know what plane we're on when they think there's going to be a TV screen and it's a different airline. And (laughs) anyhow, Angela, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Oh my gosh, just one. Can I say more than one? Is that allowed, or do I have to pick one? That's so unfair. I can't. I cannot pick one. I'm going to say perennial favorite Steve Brown. He's such a great connector uh, of people and just a real inspiration as far as getting out there and really getting to know the employees. Laura Mazzullo of Eastside Staffing, she's just been so emphatic about promoting the HR professional and helping them in their careers. And a little bit closer to home, I'm going to say uh, Jessica Riad Wallace out of Calgary. She started this initiative called uh, Hashtag Talent Alert. Maybe you've seen them on LinkedIn. 
and she's been promoting uh, people within her network who have lost their jobs for whatever reason. In addition to COVID, the city of Calgary and the province of Alberta has been really hard hit in the last few years because of oil and gas and, and other factors. And she's been so inspirational in promoting people within her network and putting out these talent alerts to help them find new work. So those are, I'm going to pick those three. Can I pick three? Is that allowed? Absolutely. <laughs> Good. I cheated a little bit on that one. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Jessica's new to new to me, Wendy. I don't know yeah. about you, so that's no, great. New to we, me we as well. So that. Oh, she's she's an up and comer. You need to follow her, Jessica Riad Wallace. If you don't follow her on LinkedIn, you need to. She's amazing. She's such an inspiration. Angela, a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? Yeah, I'm sure like you, I do actually get asked by um, lots of new HR professionals for advice all the time. And the thing I say to them all the time is get to know the business, get to know the organization that you're working with, understand who are the competitors, how do you make money, what is their strategic objectives, understand the industry you're getting in, where are you in the market, is the uh, economy in the marketplace for your business and for your industry? Really, really understand the business. Because if you can understand the business, then you can become much more strategic and not just transactional or tactical in helping the business figure out what it needs in order to succeed. So if you know the goals of the organization, you can help them figure out what are the right people that we need to hire? What kind of training do we need to make sure that people have the skills to do it? What are the programs that are going to attract those kinds of people and help them retain it? And if you don't really understand the business, you can't do any of that. All you're doing is just transactional, you know, putting people into the payroll system and hoping for the best. So that's the piece of advice I give all HR professionals who contacted me. Angela, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? Oh, I, I do it in a few ways. One is... I'm on the advisory council for the University of Calgary's Human Resources Management Certificate Program. So I uh, love being able to help and influence that program. I'm also in discussions with the University of Calgary to develop two continuing education courses for human resources in 2021. CPHR Alberta has asked me to do four workshops for their Human Resources Association in Alberta uh, in 2021. The first one's going to be in February. I mentor a lot of HR professionals, uh, both formally and informally. So I give back a, as any way that I can. And, and those are the ways that, uh, that have been most recent. What is your favorite movie? My favorite movie, I'm going to say, is Pride and Prejudice, the version with uh, Kira Knightley and Matthew McFadden. And hey, Matthew, if you're listening to this podcast, I am really open to getting an autographed picture of you as, as Mr. Darcy. Just putting that out there. If anybody knows him, please retweet this. <laughs> you never know. Angela, we're autograph. Angela loves Mr. Darcy. I also love the Marvel Avenger movies. Like I'm a complete nut. I'll watch them a dozen times in a row, and I have no issue with that. And one more, the uh, Wonder Woman movie with Gal Gadot. Oh gosh, I love Wonder Woman. Uh, I would say, see, I can't pick one. This is <laughs> why I'm a squiggly line career is because I cannot focus. I have to have more than one thing. <laughs> I love it. We actually just signed up for HBO Max so we can watch Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day. Oh, I have to do that. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> How about your favorite musician or band? I know it's going to surprise you when I say I don't have just one favorite. 
I sense a pattern, Angela. Yeah, I don't know if you figured that out, but there's a theme. There's a theme going on. Who's my favorite? I don't know if I have a favorite because I love so many. I'm going to say like Sarah McLaughlin, of course. She's like my first girl crush. Tom Petty. How can you not love Tom Petty? There's just so many. I have pretty eclectic taste in music. I just love it all. How about a favorite TV show? Okay, I'm a big nut for any Star Trek franchise. So if the TV's on, it's usually on some rerun or recorded Star Trek show. And I love the original series, The Next Generation. Uh, Star Trek Discovery is my newest favorite. I love Star Trek Picard. Just about any Star Trek episode, I'll have it on. If the TV's on, that's what I'm watching or that's what's playing <laughs> in the background. Do you know Chris Orozco, Angela? No. We need to get you connected with Chris. He's really into Star Trek, too. For our pop culture show, he chose Picard as one of his top shows of 2020. Really? Awesome. He didn't mention the cartoon. Have you watched that? No, I haven't watched the cartoon. I have a, I don't know, there's something blocking me from watching that. Have you watched (laughs) it? Is it any good? No idea. I'm a Star Wars guy. Like Star Trek's (laughs) fine, but it's not my thing. When I'm on Twitter, I basically only tweet about four things. I tweet about human resources stuff, writing, usually writing letters, but writing, soccer, and I tweet about Star Trek. <laughs> if you look at all my tweets, that's it, Star Trek. I'm like, especially on Thursdays when Discovery's on, I'm like live tweeting with everybody. I love it. <laughs> if you're not watching Pride of Prejudice, Avengers Wonder Woman, if you're not listening to Sarah McLaughlin or Tom Petty or watching any of the Star Trek suite of shows... What else do you like to do outside of work? I love to read. So I'm a voracious reader and go through dozens of books a year. Love to write in any articles, blogs, letters, doesn't matter. Really bad, angsty poetry. That's me. My absolute favorite thing to do in the world is dancing. And I'd like to say that I'm actually a good dancer, but dancing is so many genres, right? I actually do a lot of Greek folk dancing, which requires almost no skill. So I'm really good (laughs) at Greek folk dancing. I'm not so good at dancing that requires any skill. So although I love it, I'm not very good at it, but I'm really good at Greek folk dancing. So that's the thing that I do more than anything. Angela, it is very safe to say Greek folk dancing has never been mentioned before tonight on the HR social hour. You're missing out. You have no idea. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Finally, Angela, it is Angela Champ Day all around the world. What are we doing to celebrate? Oh my gosh, I wish every day was Angela Champ Day. Okay, so here's what we are going to be doing to celebrate. <laughs> we're going to be dancing when we're tired because we're going to be dancing all day long. We're going to be drinking Prosecco and writing letters to each other to stay connected. That's going to be Angela Champ Day. Dancing? drinking Prosecco, and writing letters. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I'm in. It sounds very lovely. Speaking of dancing, did you happen to hear that breakdancing has been added to the Olympics in 2024? I did, and I realized oh, I-, I was born a couple decades too early. <laughs> <laughs> I am so curious with it. Who's going to judge? Turbo and Ozone from breaking? Like, how does, how does that, how does that work? I'm going to watch the Olympics because breakdancing isn't it. Right? So we're clear. I tried to get Greek folk dancing in there, but they said no. I I don't know. I don't understand. It's clearly rigged. Clearly, (laughs) Olympic officials, they're all, you know, 
it's rigged anyway. We're not going to get into that any further in this conversation. <laughs> but Angela, we are so appreciative of you being part of our community and, yes. and taking part in the show tonight. Most of our listeners are probably connected, but if they're not, best way for them to reach you out there. For sure, Twitter. If you especially if you want to hear what's happening on Star Trek Discovery on Thursdays or with the Whitecap <laughs> soccer team, you'll, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, for sure. And I have a website, AngelaChamp.com, where you can find information about the books and about uh, keynotes and webinars that I'm doing. It's all on the website. So I invite people to connect with me. We will have all that in the show notes. And Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. Best way is always on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, please join us on Twitter, 7 p.m. Eastern time for the HR Social Hour Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, I want to remind folks, we are going to be giving away a copy of The Squiggly Line Career between now, when you hear the show, if you're listening about the time it comes out, until January 8th. 2021. So if you're listening after that, sorry, you're going to have to go buy a copy, which you can go to our website to get. Not a bad thing. Not going to get it from us. Hashtag Squiggly Line Career and hashtag HR Social Hour. Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Those are your options, folks. Where we are, share it there. Any of those. Use those two tags. And again, we will draw a winner and have Angela sign and send you a copy directly. JohnThurman.com for all things John Thurman. For the show, HRSocialHourPodcast.Podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, anything and everything you do to boost our signal. We appreciate international listeners. This is another international guest. <laughs> we keep adding and adding and adding. We want you to be part of that conversation too. Contact us. Let's let's talk further. Yep. Angela, again, appreciate being with us. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 